This is a production of KMMedia.pro. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show... Oh, it's 95 degrees or 94 degrees here and it's summertime and there's lots of activities that we could be doing outside and uh, please wear your sunscreen and uh, we've got a couple of folks on the show today that are going to talk about all, all kinds of things from racing cars to riding horses to finding a way to travel with your horses so that they've got a great place uh, to be and also um, if you want to build a theme park or if you want to put something like that together, we can help you do that too. So the whole idea is to get people outside, enjoy themselves and enjoy, you know, stop being inside with the, the, uh, um, iPads and that kind of stuff. But first I got to talk to Eric, Eric, it's hot. <laughs> it is indeed. Yeah. 90 degrees today. So, uh, we, we've got a little bit of a heat wave going on. Uh, and looks like it's going to be in the the 90s for the next few days. So uh, hopefully uh, folks are able to stay cool. Can you uh, change that for me, please? That's too hot. I'm, too hot. <laughs> well, good news. By the weekend, it'll be cooling down a bit. So. Well, yeah. that that's really cool. And a couple things I want to make sure, and Eric, you can help me with this to make sure that we put out a couple of public service announcements. One is make sure you have lots of water. That's right. You're Stay hydrated. hydrated. Yep. And make sure that you are, um, it's cool indoors, as cool as you can get it, and get the wind, or the, the fans going if you don't have um, air conditioning, which sadly a lot of us don't. And uh and try and take care of yourself and be be hydrated. And the other thing is, um, I'm not sure if it was. I think it was talking to you, Eric, that 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 uh, last week a uh, an 18 month old died in a car. Mm. I think I was talking to you about that. Yeah, you, you mentioned that. Yeah. And um, we want to make it clear to everybody that you leave your pets and uh, make sure that you don't leave your child in the backseat when you go to work. Um, I don't know if that means putting a picture. How would you suggest, Eric, to remind people that they've got a, maybe a sleeping child in the back? Uh, would there be would you put up a, a sign up front in the window? What would you do? You know, it doesn't hurt. You know, my car actually has a little notification that says, look in your back seat when you park the car. Um, so I think more cars are, are getting that as well. So it's always a good reminder to actually, hey. Follow and do what the notification says and look in your backseat before you leave your car because, you know, people get forgetful, especially when it's hot and they're tired and uh, all that. And I on the cooling thing, I did want to mention that, uh, you know, famously uh, in western Washington, a lot of folks do not have AC. So if it is getting too hot for you, there are cooling centers set up throughout the state and you can call 211 uh, to find your nearest one um, and get information on keeping cool. So just want to throw that out there for folks. Or go on the web and look at 211info.org. 
Oh, thank you very much for that. I did not know that. That's that was really really good information to have. And your your so two one one. Yeah, two one one, and of course your local public library is always a good uh, place to cool off and enjoy a book as well. Exactly. That would be that would be really cool because I live in a fifty five plus mobile home community, and there are a lot of older folks here, and. Sometimes they are in their house and it can be 95 and you really, if you have got an older person that you are connected to, I'll give them a call and and make sure that they're doing everything that they can do to take care of themselves. Or it might be a fun afternoon to go pick them up and and call 211 and take them to a cooling center and uh, have a nice chat or something. For sure, yeah. Or like I said, your local library would be a, a great spot to do that as well. Exactly. Well, we got a show today where we got a couple of folks that love the outdoors. Uh, they love horses. One has eight horses. I don't know how many Catherine has, but let's introduce Catherine to begin with, and then then we'll we'll introduce uh, our guest for the hour in just a second. Catherine, how are you? I'm great today. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Oh, you're more than welcome. How hot is it where you are? Well, I'm up north a little bit further than Seattle, so it says it's about 80. Feels much hotter though. Well, it's it, it's feel if it feels that hot, it probably is. So if you feel like it's that hot, you need to take care of yourself. Do you have yeah. any other uh, suggestions behind besides what Eric and I just offered for folks to stay cool? Um, well, an old-fashioned air conditioner. If you don't have air conditioning, um, you can take a uh, oh. Uh, tin or pot uh, cookie sheet and put a big chunk of ice on it um, if you have some way to freeze some ice and you can blow a fan on it and it works great I used to do that and uh, do that for my animals and also um, for animals you can just make like a wet bed you know you can wet down something put something that's waterproof underneath it so that they have something cool to lay on and blow a fan now do you have chickens no I don't oh. have chickens. Well, well, because my son just mm-hmm. got five of them, mm-hmm. and uh, and I don't know if you know this, but um, when you get little chicks and they're like two weeks old or three weeks old, and they deliver them to you or you pick them up, you don't really know if it is a um, hen or a rooster. And that is true. When I was in the uh, um, chicken business way back when. Uh, they actually had experts and they were mostly uh, little Asian women who could tell the difference between a hen or a rooster. And they would pay them pretty good money to go into the flock and, and to separate them out. Did you, did you know that that even was a thing? I didn't know that they did that back then. I know now that there's no way that they say that they can tell. So there's a lot of controversy about that subject. <laughs> Yes. Well, 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 as it turns out, um, they got five little chicks and they think two of them are roosters. Now they got the chicks so that they could lay eggs. To my knowledge, I don't think roosters lay eggs. No, but uh, there are sanctuaries um, that will, you know, that you can contact. um, Unfortunately, that's probably a, a subject for uh, another day, but that, that we probably should cover. Um, but as far as birds go, um, if you can keep them and you're in a neighborhood that doesn't have a zone for noise for them, um, they 
the roosters are beautiful and they're good protectors of family. They will look after your family. Like if they, they become like part of your, your um, like if you have kids, they'll protect your kids. If you have dogs, they'll protect your dogs. So they're good family pets actually. Except at uh, five o'clock in the morning when your neighbors are trying to sleep and they can be very loud. Yeah, but, you know, you have to kind of take the good with the bad, right? Well, and that's that's part of it. So I guess what they're going to have to do is figure out what to do with the two roosters. Because, quite frankly, they, they don't make very good. Um, um, they don't make a good dinner. A rooster doesn't. No, no, they don't. But um, you could check with some local sanctuaries or some local rescues to see if they have any um, ideas on on where you might be able to place them. Um, maybe the maybe you know somebody through church or some organization that they have a farm, and maybe they could use them. That's a good idea. As a matter of fact, let's talk to our guest today because he has chickens. He's also got ducks. He's got eight horses. He's got all kinds. And he's a waste card driver. He drives really fast and stuff. And, and he also is a CEO of a company that is called Select Contracts. And what they do is they will, if you have some, well, I guess I should ask what, they do and ask him what they do because I'm sure he knows much more than me. But to Catherine, this is Chris. Chris, Catherine, how are you? How are you? Hey, Catherine, Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, very well, thank you. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Oh, thanks for being here. I'm. I, we're excited to have you here because we're going to talk about horses and we're going to talk about summertime activities and how to, how to put them all together so that you can get outside. Because you know, I was thinking the other day. Um, I don't see kids Now I'm a little older than both of you. I probably am, you know, you could add up your ages and that would be me. But uh, um, when I was a kid, kids would ride bikes all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you had uh, baseball fields and, and little football fields and little soccer fields that you could grab the kids in the neighborhood and everybody would go uh, and play a pickup game of soccer. And I don't see any of that anymore. No, I we, used to, we used to go out what eight seven o'clock eight o'clock in the morning on the bikes and disappear off into the countryside and come back in time for dinner and that was it no worries easy no phones no games no tvs so no it, that was fun went back in those days we're trying to bring that back yeah oh, that's you, yeah and and because of that you were in much better shape than the kids are today because sitting around playing with your ipad doesn't really get you your cardiovascular system going and and your imagination and all that kind of stuff so i think it's great what you guys are doing so first of all tell me tell us about your farm and then we'll talk you guys can talk animals and what do you do with a rooster in a residential district yeah i was gonna say we should talk about chickens because that's way more fun than talking about work so let's get back onto that Um, yeah, we've got we've got chickens and we've got roosters here. Um, we used to have about sixty laying hens, and they just kind of you know they live for between three and five years. So I think we're down to maybe ten at the moment. Um, but we've got two roosters, and so one of them's the protector, and then we've got one that's the heir to the throne, if you like, so that he will he will become the main rooster once the older one dies. But 
we um we try and rehome them as much as possible so you know everyone needs a rooster we live really remotely so we're up in the mountains above whistler in british columbia so we're at the end of the pemberton meadows road so surrounded by mountains which also means surrounded by grizzly bears and black bears and coyotes and wolves and all sorts of stuff so we need protectors for the chickens and so ours works every single day protecting the chickens and so you've got to have a rooster so a lot of our neighbors they also need them and so if we do incubate we're then giving the roosters to friends generally now i i said earlier that that it's hard to tell the difference between a hen and a rooster um is that true when they're born yes it's very very difficult there's there's a method called sexing which you can sex them when they're born or when they're incubating and then you can just get the hens out but i have no idea how you do that and so we, that's, we probably get 60% hens, 40% roosters, something like that. So you end up with quite a few roosters when you, when you do that. And if you do need to put them down, then they make great stock. So again, like you were saying before, you can't eat them, but they make great stock. So you can turn them into chicken stock. But we try and rehome them as many as possible because they're all amazing creatures. I they're learned really- this a long time ago because I was, um, I was a salesman for Simmons Foods and it was a vertically integrated poultry company. And so I learned, I said, well, how do you know which, because, you know, you get it, you get, they get these big um, shipments of, of uh, chicks. How do you know what's what? And they said, and this is no lie. They said, there is a, a group of people and most of them happen to be Asian that are really smart at, at doing what you just said, sexting so that they can pull out the roosters and then the roosters go someplace else. Yeah. 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 Totally. But um, anyway, ours is called Smore. He's a big Sussex rooster, and so he protects the rest of the girls. So it's it's awesome. I, if I'd known this was the topic of conversation, I could have brought him in and put some headphones on him, and he could have joined into this uh, radio station. But maybe that's next time. Or if my children are listening to me, maybe they should go and catch him and bring him in. So it depends. How hard is it to catch a rooster who's running around? Um. Well, ours are used to people. So the older one's used to people, so you can catch him really easily. Um, and then the younger one, not so much. So it's pretty challenging catching him. But uh, you just got to be super quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember the I remember the film Rocky. I don't know if you saw Rocky too, but one of the th- old school uh, boxing things was if you, if you could catch the chicken, that means you got quick. Oh, that's awesome. I don't remember that from the, from the movie. That's great. Ah, so there. So there, and you have how many horses? Uh, so we've got eight of our own horses, and then we've got one border horse here as well. So one guy that leases the field to keep his horse out here. So, yeah, it's great. They're ranging in age from five through till 25. So the 25-year-old's retired now. So, um, and then the five-year-old training him up, and we've got a load of horses in between. So, yeah, it's great. It's nice. Yeah. It's, it's awesome having horses. You know, it's interesting because um, um, when, when Catherine came on the show originally, we were going to talk about photography. Well, we talked about photography, but she also is a horsewoman of note. And so we ended up talking the rest of the show about that. So uh, I should just shut up and let the two of you talk about horses. Yes, that's good. About that, Kevin. But yeah, that was that was an interesting. We we totally deviated from the photography and, and Kevin was really interested in all the horse aspect of everything that I did too. I do equine photography as well. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. So I do a lot of polo photography Mm -hmm. um, and then pet photography, dogs, you know, feline chickens. I think I had an interview with a cow, you know, after I was on the show with Kevin. So, yeah. (laughs) 
And what did the cow have any enlightening things to say? Um, actually, the cow was quite hungry when I was there and it was hot out. So, no. <laughs> Went to the bathroom a lot. Well, I'm glad to know that. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I will be having that story coming up. But yeah, it, it was a fun interview. It was enlightening to know what happens to um, to animals, just like the roosters, um, just like what Chris was saying. You know, if you can find somebody that's on a farm or a neighbor that is willing to take a rooster, they're great protectors, right, Chris? Yeah, they are. They are. And they're great just having around the ranch as well. So, you know, when they're let out, they're just running around and it's just awesome having them on the ranch, just being free range. Yeah. yeah so yeah. on the on the horse end of things, how did you get into horse in, horses? Uh, I think growing up, I was always around horses. Loads of friends had horses. So um, I used to ride a lot growing up. And then... Um, and then when we bought the ranch up here, I, we've ridden for years and years and years, and I got my kids into it when they're super young. Um, I got two daughters, one that's 15 and one that's 17. And so they started riding maybe when they're three and five. And so we've been riding forever. And then um, we bought our own horses in 2016, and we just keep adding to the herd. So, um, yeah, so they're mountain horses. So we, we ride up in the mountains and do pack trips on them quite a lot. Oh. Which is great. So, yeah, full-on mountain horses, live outside all year round. They're rock hard. Um, but it's it's beautiful up here. There's so many beautiful rides up in the mountains and getting up into the alpine and things. So it's uh, it's great having them here. Do you so do you, you have take, horses yourself? Um, I currently don't have any horses that I own. I have a leaser on my land. I also have land. I have 53 acres over in eastern Washington along nice. the Columbia. Yeah, nice. so there's a leaser on my land that has a herd of horses that. Um, they foal on our property. We have 10 oh, foals cool. right now on the property and with a beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous backdrop. And yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah. yeah. So they're outside year round too. They don't have any indoor, um, you know, shelters or anything like that. Yeah. That, that means they're proper horses. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, it's, uh, it's different, different breeds in different places. Like these big horses we've got, they were born up in the mountains and they've been used to the winters up here all their lives. So they're used to it, but, you bring a horse up from Vancouver that lives in stables, it definitely doesn't like being outside in the wintertime. So just different upbringings. Right. With it, though. Yeah. Um, this show is going into the Seattle area, and there's a lot of metro around Seattle, but there's not a lot of pastures for horses and that sort of thing. So you're going to have to educate us a little bit. What is a mountain horse? So mountain horse is a horse that's grown up in the mountains. It's got big feet, so it can handle climbing up rocky, rock, the sides of mountains and riding up rocky trails to get to the top of the mountains, basically. So just much bigger, stronger horse, much, much bigger, stronger horse. So strong legs, strong feet, um, and powerful to be able to climb up with people on their backs. So with, with if now, if I was to come riding with you and I weighed 250 something pounds, would that be too much for that horse? We've got one horse that we could put you on who could cope with that with 250 pounds. Um, yeah, so the bigger the horse, the better. And, and yes, a stronger horse, a mountain horse would, would do much better at that for sure. Would he hate me at the end of the ride? You <laughs> wouldn't be his best friend by any means, but he, he'd, he'd be all right. <laughs> Because I, I can only, I can only think that the, that the poor horse is going. Are you really going to get on my back and you're going to ride me? Are you Are you serious about this? Yeah, no, they'll be thinking that for sure. They'll be looking at you at the corner of their eye. But yeah, they'll be fine. We've already got two that could cope cope with two hundred fifty pounds. But 
yeah that's uh, you'll have to try it you'll have to come up sometime so so both of you when you're you're a horse rider of note how much do you weigh <laughs> anybody <laughs> anybody, yeah. anybody anybody yeah i'm like 175 180 pounds maybe and then um when I pack them, so you, you've got pack saddles that you can put your tent and your sleeping bag and all your cooking stuff on when you, when you go for multiple days, I'm packing about 120 pounds on their backs and that's, they're, they're great with that. Yeah, so 180 pounds is easy for them. And so you, you have a pack horse that is, and we talked about this uh, last time, didn't we, uh, um, Catherine, that a, that a pack horse operates a little bit differently than a, a saddle Are horse? You, you and I talked about it, I think, before. Oh, that was you and I. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so so a pack horse is trained to be a pack horse and a saddle horse is paying, trained to be a saddle horse. Yeah, ours are trained to be both so that we, we've got different horses to do different things. But um, a good pack horse understands that it's got the extra whip on its back. It's got these big boxes on its back. And so a pack horse understands that it's wider than if it's got a human on its back. And so when you're riding through the forest and through the trees, it knows to take a wider path through so it doesn't hit the trees with the boxes. Um, and it's also looking for prompts from the lead horse. If I'm riding my horse and I've got the pack horse on a line behind me, it's always looking to see if I'm going to speed up to ride up a hill or slow down. So it's always looking for the prompts from the lead horse. And so that's the basic training for a pack horse is to, is to look at that. That's but then also you know, if the... If the pack horse hurts himself, you need to be able to take the pack off its back, put it on the horse that you're riding, and then walk them out so the pack horse doesn't have anything on its back. So that's why you always want all of your horses to be good with packs, uh, just to make it much easier and safer when you're trying to get out of the backcountry too. That's really interesting. Catherine, have you ever done that and gone into the backcountry with uh, horses and packs and all that kind of stuff and, and did camping? I, I haven't packed or camped overnight, but um, but my horse, um, I used to do dressage back in the day. So I had a horse that grew up down in Lebanon, Oregon, and I had uh, my horse ponied uh, from a uh, age of a colt uh, yeah. up into the mountains there um, as uh, something to, to do in the meantime. And so I would take lessons from um, Alan Hicks, who was really good at everything. And he took me up on his horses up into the mountains. And so when I would go down to visit, that's what I would do. And he, he was really funny. He tested me out first. Cause he was like, Oh, you know, arena rider. Right. And so, but I grew up, grew up in Yakima and I used to race on the dish yeah. bank and things like that. So I rode on the Ridge bank, uh, Ridge up there in Antanum, but uh, anyway, he took me out, and then he decided I was okay, and he would let me go along. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good to qualify people. Yeah, it's a little, it, it's a little different. Um, I think that what what was unique about it was is when you have a good pack horse, the same thing as a good trail horse. You just give them rain, and they know what they need to do. Totally. Yeah, they'll take care of you. Yeah, and the and the outfitters like the hunting outfitters up north, like they're packing customers into the bush all the time on the horses. Their pack horses, they don't even have a line to them. They just are loose and they just know to follow on behind them and they pick their own path through, which is amazing. Right. A whole different it level. Is amazing. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. not sure mine would do that. I think mine would maybe just kind of start to eat, but uh, if they're fully <laughs> trained like that, they're great. Incredible. Yeah. And then one time I did go up into uh, to Calgary and uh, my mom back in the day, we went up into the. Um, the back country up there and did like a, a trip in 
where you ride and then you whitewater raft oh, out. Wow. Yeah, cool. so we did that on the back of the Canadian Rockies one time. So that was pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, super cool. That's great multi multi activity day. Yeah. So how big of a boat does it take to put a horse on? <laughs> yeah, the horses are whitewater rafting down, not the humans, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, never mind. Uh, I was just joking. I did have a question for both of you, though, which is there are some people that would say um, that um, putting riding on a horse and, and not letting them just be free and stuff, that they're not as happy as they might be if they were just running free and being left alone. But they enjoy the the whole process, don't they? I believe they do. Yeah, I believe they do. They um they don't have to worry about food ever, right? So when they're owned and they're not free, they uh, they get their guaranteed meals, which they're ready for all the time, and so they like that, and they like the human interaction. Like the bond you get with the horse is incredible, and so um you know, they're comfortable being owned and being ridden in the in the mountains. So yeah. I'd uh, I'd say they're happy. How would you describe when you are bonding with a horse? <laughs> I hate to ask. What does that actually look like when you're bonding with a horse? I mean, <laughs> just, is it is it that they that they it's, just? It's not like one moment. It's it's just it's a, it happens over time. It happens through shared experiences. Same way as you become friends with people, you know that bond gets deeper when you share more and more experience with somebody. And so it's the same with a horse. So riding a horse a lot, having experiences like our experiences up here might be, you know, coming across a grizzly bear on a trail and managing that situation or having a pack of wolves close by and managing that situation or the horse falling over and getting stuck and you helping them stand back up again. And so it's just a collection of shared experiences that, that creates a really, really good bond. And it's you don't get them with every horse by any means. You get them with certain horses. And so... Um, yeah, when it happens, it's really unique. So <laughs> when I was a kid, we were uh, riding horses with, and we had a guide and everything. And um, there was a black bear that was in this um, garbage dump, and he started throwing um, jars and cans at the at the horses and and stuff. But yeah. and the horses went crazy and went up yeah. and you know and stuff like that. Are horses really scared of, of bears? And I imagine they would be. Yeah, again, it depends on the training and where you're riding. So if you've got a stable horse in Seattle that doesn't see anything, and then you automate, and then they see one in the wild, they won't they won't know what it is, and so they'll be super concerned and super nervous when they see something that they haven't seen before. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a there's a trail company up here that takes people out, and it's bringing tourists through, and so when the tourists are on the back of the horses and they see a bear they scream out going oh my god it's a bear it's a bear it's a bear and so the horse senses that nervousness and so now that horse trail company if someone shouts bear the horses are immediately nervous because they're used to people on their back being nervous but if they didn't say anything and they saw a bear they'd be totally relaxed like they again the horses up here are used to it the horses in vancouver not so much maybe the ones in seattle not so much but um yeah once they start seeing them they get used to them I gotta ask the two of you because um, this is this is something that I don't know that we know a lot about, which is horses. And Catherine, you go first. Horses have got this sixth sense about them that they can sense your feelings and what's going on with you. Right. Where do they get that? And is that I know I realize that's the predator, in the predator prey thing. You know, 
um, they, 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 they get hunted. So they have instincts um, that they're born with and they can sense things, they can smell things um, before you even are aware because that's bred into them. To oh, keep interesting. Safe to keep them alive. It's it's a matter. You know, Chris was talking about they're happy because they get fed. They you know they um, they have shelter. They you know they have human contact. It, it's a herd mentality. You know, um, there's safety in numbers, um, and if they're um, you know signaled signaled out, then they can be killed. You know, so mm-hmm. that's where that comes from. And then with people it's a trust factor. That's what Chris was mentioning. You know, the experiences build trust and the more trust you build as a, as a partner with them, the more that they'll do for you or they'll, they'll even protect you in a situation sometimes. Yeah, totally. On, on that, we had, um, we had a fully grown male cougar come through the ranch a few years ago, maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, something like that. And, um, it was on a different ranch, different horses. I knew the horses really, really well. And I was walking along this path and I heard something in the bushes and I thought it was a bear. So I just kind of looked behind the bushes to see what it was. And this cougar jumped out and landed on the trail, maybe five feet in front of me. And this thing was fully grown male cougar. And so naturally you've got to become the predator. So I got super big and started shouting at this thing. And then as I was doing it, I was backing into the horse field and the horses ran between me and the cougar to protect me. And in the end, the cougar ran off. So it's incredible that, again, that bond and that protection. Mm-hmm. They're there to protect you just as much as, as vice versa. That is really awesome. That is really awesome. Yeah, By the way. It was such an incredible experience for that to happen. Four of the horses came to protect me. It was super cool. Absolutely. So we're, we're by the way, we're talking with Chris Sutton. We're going to talk about racing actual cars and we get to it sounds like the horse is the topic for the day i know well, <laughs> we, we, we need to take a break right now and when we come back though i want to go turn to that and also uh catherine and her photography and doing what you do and um so that people can get a good sense of how talented these people are that we bring on our show so i'm looking forward to doing both of those things but first we need to take a real quick break you're listening to Positive Talk Radio on KKNW, 1150 AM. Hey, PTR loyal listener. First, thanks for being in my dream. And second, I have a new concept in business to share with you. It's called socialpreneurship. So what's that? Well, it's the idea that any company designates all profits beyond expenses to be awarded to a local or international charity or project which is working to achieve good in the world. KM Media is such a company. We believe that it's important for us to give back whenever possible and to make great things happen. So I hope you'll join us in creating this new business model that will positively impact all of us. In the next few weeks, we will lay out the plan and begin our fundraising efforts. So stay tuned for more details right here on Positive Talk Radio. When you want to say more than words communicate, you can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. anaturaldesign.com at your fingertips today. 
Hey, thanks for listening to Positive Talk Radio. Did you know that we're also a media production company? Well, surprise, we are. We can create all kinds of audio, video products to fill any need. Please visit kmmedia.pro backslash our dash store for a complete list of products and services. In addition, do you need a great voice to add to your own website or any other project? I know that we can add depth and quality to your work. I've been told more times than I can count by many professionals in the business that my voice adds to the quality of the presentation. So let me create something for you. Please contact me at Kevin at kmmedia.pro and let's create something great. Oops, and welcome. <laughs> I was enjoying that commercial so much that I forgot to play the music to come back. We're talking with Chris Sutton and with Catherine James, and she's a photographer of note. And I want to thank you, Catherine, for being here, because since I know nothing about horses and nothing about much of what Chris does, I felt it would be um, a good thing to have you along to kind of guide me through it. So the next question I have for you is, what do you know about cars? Cars. Well, I love I love cars. <laughs> I love to go fast. Um, and I have done some photography for the rally I, for Matt, um, yeah. for uh, Holly's, yeah, significant. So I've been out to dirt track and, and done photography and I have some photography on my website as well. Yeah. And, and Chris has got a website called four points racing and, um, is it four point racing.com? Uh, four point racing.ca. Oh, that's cause you're in Canada. In Canada. Exactly. <laughs> indeed so now you are by the way an award-winning racer of note and what does that take to be uh it's fairly expensive sport it's uh just takes a lot of dedication um it's having a good car that's reliable and then it's understanding how to drive safe but quickly at the same time so, um, so yeah, it's such an incredible sport, such a great adrenaline rush. Um, and I think the, the family around rally is incredible. So everybody's helping each other. Everyone's giving each other's tips. Each mechanics from different teams come and help out on different people's cars. So it's just such an incredible experience being able to go to rallies and, and race. And so, uh, so yeah, so I race in Alberta, I race in British Columbia, in Washington and down in Oregon as well. So yeah awesome sport to participate in i think it would scare the heck out of me uh because you know uh, matt um showed some uh, movies of him racing and yeah. it's like you're you're racing on a dirt track and you've got trees on the left of you trees on the right of you and you've got about 12 feet in between and you have to have a a co-pilot who is telling you left right here hill going down all that kind of stuff don't you get a little and ask both of you because you've been out there too Catherine. don't don't you get a little frightened by by going fast like that maybe it's because i'm old i don't know yeah i mean it's so matt you're talking about matt's been a co-driver to me a couple of times so he co-drove for me at the oregon trail rally this year and he co-drove at a test day last year as well and so yeah matt's an amazing guy i'm happy to that he's one of my one of my closest friends but um You've got to trust your co-driver. So you're driving as fast as you possibly can. Co-driver's giving you the direction of the corner. 
the severity and so i use one is very very tight and six is just a gentle curve and everywhere is in between that so the direction left or right the severity and then the distance to the next corner and also picking out whether you've got to cut the corner or not cut the corner or keep it clean or is there a crest that you've got to go over what's after the crest so there's all this information that's coming in and so I came into the sport through Rallycross, which is what Catherine, you'd have taken photos out of Dirtfish at the, at the cars racing the mm -hmm. Rallycross. And that's an enclosed stage with cones. So it's, I don't know, maybe a minute and a half to two minutes long and you're racing, you start and you finish in the same spot basically. And so I did 16 events of that last year um, when you're just focusing 100% on driving. And then when you go to stage rally, which is what Matt and I do now, when you move to stage rally, you've got to drive as fast as you can. The stages, the track is just a forest road that goes from point A to point B. You get to drive it twice before you race at slow speeds to take down the notes and everything. But then you've got to be able to learn to drive fast whilst taking that information into your ear. And that's the first couple of races. It takes a while to actually start to register to listen to someone else. Because when you're driving you're never listening to someone giving you instructions about what the next corners are so you need to learn to understand that and so I worked really closely with Matt and he helped me through that phase to get to get to know that but then you've just got to trust that your notes are right when you do the recce as we call it um, and you've got to trust that your co-driver is in the right place on the notes when they're calling them to you and so that's that's the biggest stress but so you you don't you know you don't drive at 100 percent if you could capability you're driving slightly less than that so you're being slightly more cautious than you would on a rally cross circuit where you are driving at 100 percent. see my my wife used to do that we call that backseat driving that was so funny i was going to bring that up but i wasn't sure if i'd be allowed to say that so i kept that out but yeah that's a good example <laughs> and she went shut up which is why she's now my ex-wife but that's another story uh so yeah catherine what do you think would you I, like well i think when you get i don't know when i get behind the wheel and I'm doing things that are a little dangerous. Um, I just get lost in the moment, right? Yeah. So I'm not really thinking about the danger. I'm just thinking about having a great time and focusing on um, just like Chris was saying, you know, you have somebody telling you where to go sometimes, sometimes not. And so you're just focusing on the road. You're just in that moment and nothing else is there. Like I would have a hard time hearing somebody talking to me because I would just be so focused. In totally. and, yeah. And that's what you've got to learn to listen. You need to listen to it. Um, and so my co-driver, someone called Haley Hoffman, she's Canadian as well. She works up at the, uh, up North in one of the camps. And so we spend a lot of time in the car together and just reading notes and understanding notes and just building that trust between us all the time. So it's a great, it's a great relation. It's a great trust relationship between driver, co-driver, co-drivers trusting that the driver is going to keep the car on the road right. and the drivers trusting the co-driver that, that the calls are correct, that that really is a left three and not a right two. Right. It's making sure that that's right. That what but about so, you, Kevin? I mean, have you ever been anywhere and been in like a side by side, like racer type, you know, dirt machine of any kind and driven that or been along for a ride? No, ma'am, not a chance. Although, <laughs> well, I you should. You should try that. That should be on your bucket list. <laughs> no, <laughs> I would end up in a bucket if I if I tried that. It, it, but but I did drive uh, a Metro sixty foot bus for twelve years. Oh, wow, so, well, that's dangerous. Well, and, 
12, 12 years, and I never got a, uh, into a uh, preventable accident. Now, I was in several accidents, including rear-ended by another bus. Darn him, anyway. But, <laughs> but you know, I, going is fast because you, you really have got to have two things that struck me. First of all is when the lay people like me would assume that if you were two people in a car, that the driver's the king, he's the one who's who's really in control, and this co-pilot is kind of secondary. I'm learning today that that's really not true, that without a really, really good co-pilot that can communicate effectively with you, you could end up wrapped around a tree. Am I right? Yes, that's right. So if you don't trust your co-driver, you're not driving as fast as you should like as fast as you could because you're being more cautious you're kind of reading the road yourself and so some people just feel sick some people lose themselves on notes and so sometimes you just can't trust your co-driver but yeah i'm really lucky so far i've had some amazing co-drivers in my time and, and they've all been fantastic so yeah gotta so choose choose correctly oh the, 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 now is that something that you would want i see to me that would be too much pressure catherine to be somebody that was the the shouting out the directions and stuff because sometimes have you ever said go right when you actually meant left yeah yeah definitely do that in respect writing and dressage too but i have to say i would prefer being the driver because i love the thrill (laughs) when like we go places and we go on vacations my husband i always look at him like can i just drive you know and um i promise you it'll be fun and so yeah he just holds on and i just i i go i just have a great time until the policeman stops you and then and then the good time goes away these are these are places that you're able to do that you know like maui up on the mountaintop you can go up there and you know pretty much what you do is you just try to get up front where the leader is and basically once the dirt flies you can't see anything and the rule is you just don't stop (laughs) you just and you can't see anything and you're driving and you can barely see where you're going and it's 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 fun it's a it's a good thrill so you've been on maui yeah yeah yeah. i'm i'm so sorry for those of you who may not know uh there have been some huge wildfires in in maui and that uh, i think last count there were like almost 90 people have lost their lives there so yeah. if you have the ability to um donate to the red cross or something on their behalf i would i would highly encourage you to do that i agree because that there were towns that were completely wiped out by the fire yeah, yeah. which is it's which is so i but, did catastrophe but yeah that's that's another show right yeah it is but i just wanted to mention that because it's important that we uh provide people with you know some interesting knowledge as well so um so chris we've got one more company that we haven't talked about yet that you are the ceo of of by the way when we put out your websites which website do you you have so many sir yeah it depends what what we end up talking about yeah there's a there's a couple so um I've got, uh, I, I, uh, I've invested into a company called Bed and Bale. And so that's a horse riding company. And basically it's a travel app. So when you're traveling with your horses, you can plan your route and service providers uh, list out places that you can stop and stay overnight with your horse. Kind of like an Airbnb for people with horses. So there's stables, there's pastures, there's hay, there's a place for you to stay. So it's for when you're traveling a route across 
Canada or the US, but it's also for emergencies. So if you're traveling and your car breaks, your truck breaks down, or you lose a wheel on the trailer, whatever it might happen, you need to be able to get the horse out of there and get it to safety. And so the app was originally designed so you could find a safe place to take your horse in an emergency situation. And subsequently to that, it's become a planning tool for people traveling across country. And now it's morphed even further where it's a resource for anybody in the equine industry. So Catherine, as, a, as an equine photographer, you could list your mm-hmm. services online and people could find that service. And so, oh. yeah, it, it was, uh, okay. it's, it's, a, it's a great app, it's called Bed and Bale. Um, and it, we did three years of R&D on it, which was incredibly expensive. And so now the app's running kind of really, really well. And we charge a small monthly fee to be able to subscribe to that. So um, yeah, there's a lot of subscribers. I think it's like 10,000 people that use it right now, which is great. Oh, that's awesome. So- Catherine, what do you think of that? Well, I think it's a great, uh, a, a great app. Um, I guess as a as a person, if I was listening to the show, I'd kind of want to. I'm a research person myself, so I always ask questions. I investigate. So, mm-hmm. how would they know that the companies or the places that they're staying have been vetted, or that they're not going to show up and then find out that there's bob wire instead of wood fencing, those type of things? Yeah, totally. So right now, the app basically puts people together. So it puts the customer with the service provider and it provides all the phone numbers and the website and everything so that you can then phone up that service provider and have a conversation with them before you book it. So you can ask those questions directly of them. And do they post photos of their facilities? And Yeah, so they post photos, they put a write-up on there, um, and then you can look at that and then you can contact them direct and they'll put a website on there as well so you can go to the website and see it and it's basically it's like when you're planning a trip with airbnb trying to find out where you can stay and what accommodation is exactly the same as that we just don't offer the booking service as well because that's another million dollars to be able to put a booking system in place for that so so it's more of an introduction between the uh, the customer and the service provider but so you actually get to talk to them or text with them or yeah whatever. yeah or email yeah i'm uh, i'm planning a trip soon so we again we built it because we need it right we're traveling with horses all the time and my business partner does too she competes and so um on that front we needed this app and so we use it too and so yeah i was just in touch with some people yesterday about a trip so yeah everyone's you know everyone in the equine industry is amazing so you get to know some really cool people right right so um like you being in canada and you want to go to the U.S. or vice versa, then is there any um, glitches that you need to be aware of when you're trying to plan those type of trips when you're going out of country? Uh, not between, not on the app, no. So anything in North America works really well. We're starting to get subscribers elsewhere in the world, but it's that's very new. Like the stuff we've got in North America, we've got quite a few subscribers um, that list services, and we've got quite a few people that are using those services as well. So. No, it's fine going from Canada into the U.S. That works really well. Okay. Because, yeah, there's a lot of people, Kevin, that go from U.S. to Canada for competition and, and mm-hmm. sport. So. I need yeah. if, if you are, if, it's hard to get back here if you, if you go there and then, or is it the reverse that? Is it easy? If you come to the United States, I know that you have proper paperwork and stuff, but do you get hassled at the border and stuff? Yeah, you, you've got, you'll get question for sure about the horses um i've never personally taken horses across the border but you do have to be well prepared with all the paperwork for them 
<clears throat> oh, that's 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 good information to know. That's and by the way, Catherine, you've got some great questions, young lady. Oh, <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, you know, I mean, I do, I do ride, I do travel, and so I um in traveling with horses, it's different uh, than a dog. You know, mm -hmm. this is an animal that's huge. I mean, it weighs a lot, and if you get into trouble and you're alongside the road or you need a place to stay and it's bad weather, let's say you come across bad weather, Chris, um, how can this app help you in that situation? Yeah, exactly. So you just go into it, you see where you are and it'll pop up with all the properties that, that are nearby that has places to keep your horse. And it might just be a field or it might be a place that you can stay as well. So um, yeah, all that information comes up once you put in your location or where you're going. And so that was the whole point of it. And it works offline too, because again, when we're traveling around Canada, there's very little service in places. And okay. so once you've downloaded it, it works offline. But, oh, um, that's great. Yeah, yeah. And we, I took some horses on the ferry the other day as well, right? So again, new experience, putting the horses in the trailer. We had a border here that was moving to Vancouver Island. So I offered to take the horse across. And so they're on a ferry for two hours and we weren't quite sure how it's going to react, but we just actually went in the trailer with the horse and just talked to it and stayed with it and fed it hay. And it was totally happy being on the ferry. It was super cool. That's good. So what about, um, is there a larger percentage of people that um, have facilities that have like an arena? So if you show up at night, you can turn your horses out or are these mainly boarding facilities that already have a lot of horses? Yeah, a bit of both. Um, some people that just have a field that they might have bought a property that has a horse field and they don't use it. And so they might have an Airbnb property on there. And so they'll list it through our app all the way through to full equine facilities with indoor riding arenas. But again, once you click on the dot of where you're going, it'll tell you what services that they have within that. So okay. it's, yeah, it's, it's mainly kind of somewhere in the middle of that. It's mainly people that might have a couple of horses and they have some spare fields. And so they're offering those up for, for people traveling through and some people charge for it and some people don't. We've got one customer that's like, I don't want to charge. If anyone needs my field, it's here, which is great. Right. So right. it works. Both so what's, ways. The, um, what's the average of amount? of how many horses they can actually take into a facility what's kind of the average um three four five horses somewhere kind of in that realm um and so again every single place is different and it might just be it's a corral right and if they're all your own horses put into one corral again they know each other it's when you put fresh horses in with right. horses that are established so that's great the problem so generally it's, it's never a field with other horses it's it's your own horses in a, in a space in a space. Yeah. Are there um, ways like, let's say, you know, my polo friends are traveling somewhere out of state and they're going cross country. Is there a way on the app that they can quickly find out that they can have more horses at one facility because they have a string of polo ponies. And so they, they typically have a, a bigger trailer with a lot more horses. Yeah, again, when they would book it, they'd have to be in touch. You can't book it on the app. So you have to be in touch on email or on the phone. So people would ask those questions when they when they phone the provider up. Okay, so it's not like you can go in and have like a, a list like and say, I have five horses and, um, you know, I need this, this and this and do like a check mark type situation. Not yet. That might be a future development. Um, okay. app development is so incredibly expensive so right now we've got it introducing the horse owner to the stables okay. um, so that's the process right now 
yeah so again they just ask them on the phone or email or look at their website again they've got a website and they're listing that kind of stuff out so so Catherine, if you're taking a strangled ponies i guess that's the term strangled ponies to to go to a polo match how many ponies is that well it depends on the owner i mean um some people have one horse and they rent other horses while they're there some people own a string they might have six you know ponies or four ponies depending on who's coming with them sometimes people offer to haul a couple of extra horses for somebody if they're headed to a match and catch a ride, that type of thing. If they're going across state, going across lines. So, um, you know, a, a large horse trailer, uh, for instance, George Dill Farms, he rents horses for other people to play. So he has a huge horse trailer and that's all he's hauling. He's hauling with a semi loader. Um, you know, and he comes into Canada. He was just up in Calgary last week. So he goes down to the desert. So, you know, he's he's putting as many um, ponies as he can in and he has to stay overnight. You can only trailer a horse for so many hours. You need to give them a rest and you need a place to turn them out where they can exercise a little bit and walk around so they don't get stiff or sore, that type of thing. But yeah, majority of people, excuse me. And have a drink and have some food and yeah. right 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 um so you know um but most people have a couple horses that go across country a lot of times if they're competing and something mm -hmm. somehow we got back onto horses again so we'll talk about select contracts another time that might be on the next next conversation we, yes, we're, we're not going to have time to, to go. So we'll do that next time because you are the CEO and, and people are going to ask you about that. But I would love to have you back. And mm -hmm. Catherine, you're always welcome to come back. Oh, and, thank you. I appreciate that, Kevin. And but, but because you answered the question correctly the last time you were here because you do, you're a polo writer. And uh, I was talking to you about uh, the movie Pretty Woman. Yeah. And it, at halftime during... Uh, they were at a they were at a uh, polo match, and everybody's dressed up real nice and pretty, and 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 it's a it's a real um, it's got a lot of tradition to it. And apparently, one of the traditions is during halftime, the spectators go out onto the field and they turn the uh, um, the grass that's been turned up by the ponies over and and pat it down and stuff and so they tell you the only thing you don't want to do is pick up a piece of grass uh, a piece of dirt that is still steaming that's not <laughs> that's not a good idea no but you don't really pick it up you divot stomp so maybe you don't want to go out there in your fancy shoes and and your you know high heels and and stomp uh horse manure see yeah. i thought the divot stomp was like a country music song or something Oh, no, no, it's a polo thing. <laughs> but, you know, George is having a tournament this weekend in LaConnor, so come on out. And so in LaConnor, you can go to a polo match? This weekend, yep, Saturday and Sunday, yeah. Oh, really good. Chris, what do you got going with yourself? And, and uh, we've got just a couple of moments left. Is there anything that our audience needs to know? Um, we're going to have all your websites and stuff up for them, but anything else that they need to know? Uh, well, I think next time we can talk about select contracts that builds like downhill bike parks and surf parks and and consults to ski resorts all over the world. And that's the one where we're trying to get more kids and families off their phones and away from the TVs and off the couches and get outside and do activities and get healthier. So 
we'll we'll maybe touch on that next time and get into that in a bit more detail then that's my main business that's my that's my day job that sounds yep, fun that's, that's yes, what we'll talk right. about and yeah. catherine has got 56 acres so she can build a, a water park or something yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although it sounds really nice. I think I should bring the horses down. We should just go for a ride through it. Sounds nice. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. Indeed, we, can, indeed. we can go when the when the lake levels down in the spring and, and ride along the Columbia River and on the beach. And that would be yeah, that would yeah. be fun. We gotta go, I'm afraid. Catherine James has been our guest and Chris Sutton has been our guest. Go to positivetalkradio.net and you'll find more all about them. And thank you so much for being here. And by the way, be kind to one another because each other's all we got. Enjoy the ride, everybody. Thank you.